Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to I Only Date Monsters. My name is Lunastopheles. And I'm Hayden. Hey, everyone. And we're here. We're back we for have a second episode. Sorry. We have come further than we ever could have dreamed. Truly, I didn't think we would... You know what? No, I didn't know we would make a second episode. We're good at this. No, this is fun. I really enjoy doing this. So, yeah. Uh, episode two is going to be about... Well, it's going to be about a movie that we talked about that I mentioned last week. It was about Van Helsing, which I had Hayden come over and watch. It was super fun to see that together. But before we get to that, how you doing, Hayden? Hey, I'm I'm doing all right. I, I woke up a little later today than I expected because uh, I got roped into a game last night. Uh, uh, my boyfriend actually did a quick shot of uh, the new Shadowrun system. Ooh, how is the new Shadowrun system? Is it less fiddly? It's less fiddly. It's still fiddly. I I mean, okay, it's Shadowrun. I'll give it. I'll give it that. It's just like I've always wanted to play Shadowrun, and then every time I look at the rules, I'm like, I don't have, I don't have a degree in this. <laughs> yeah, that's. So the thing is, Shadowrun is the first tabletop system I ever played. That makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah. Um, and it was just like the consequence of hey, this is what friends of mine are playing and want to get me in on. This is the, like, next step in role-playing. Uh, Do you have a lot of... Now, I have, this is a serious question. Um, when you were living uh, in the South, mm-hmm. did you have a lot of other friends that were, like, into weird cyberpunky things? Did you have, like, a small group there? I really didn't. I had a I had a fairly small group of friends just to begin with. I'm not the kind of person that has a lot of connections of varying strengths. I usually just have like my tight knit circle and that's it. Oh, um, I made it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. But yeah, I had I have just a collection of like four to six friends down there depending on the time. We might actually get into that later. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, uh we we shared some interests, but the the tabletop thing wasn't really one of them and while cyberpunk was something that like occasionally would come up and we would have fun and chat about uh it wasn't like I mean it wasn't anything big we we went to go do or see together. Okay. That's fair. I don't know. Like I um Growing up in the South as well, like for my, my like teenage years, I was lucky enough to find friends that at least were as strange as I was in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we as queer people always have to like, whether we know it or not, we do have, I hate to call it a gay dart. It's not quite that. It is like a spidey sense for other people that are disaffected, other people that are marginalized or feeling like they're outcasts outcasts kind of can know other outcasts yes absolutely i i mean i didn't really like come to grips with my queerness until i was like 19 yeah <laughs> like i i figured it out late but yeah, it's not that late um i had like my collection of like five college friends um mm-hmm none of us were queer when we all met and started hanging out by the end of it like four of us were of course that's how it happens yeah it's 
one person, person realizes that maybe something's up and everyone else is like we can do that <laughs> um i mean there was we have we there was one friend in the group that was um i mean pretty strong indicators like you know the uh the inflection that uh that some queer men that have like the higher voice yes and and like some of those mannerisms but like mm-hmm. even then he wasn't out and you know it's never my my opinion is no matter how someone presents it's never anyone's place to really jump in and make assumptions right also because i have i have known some very fey straight men yeah and that happens too like of course this comes from a world that says that to be feminine in any way shape or form as a as a masculine presenting person is wrong when that's you know not the fucking case right but hey straight people but yeah, the the game was fun. Uh, I can you can guess what uh, meta type I played. It was what a kind troll. of game was it? Oh yes, of course. I played a yes. troll. Uh, really? Was, I mean, they have orcs. They do have orcs. I I do. Was that too on the nose for you? Was it not on the nose enough? <laughs> um, no, but I I played. Uh, there were these pre-generated character sheets because it's the new system and it's mm-hmm. like the the test run game. Um, yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to play the troll or the orc. And someone else was like, I want the orc. And I'm like, cool, I'm playing the troll. <laughs> That's fine. Trolls are cool. You can do that glamour shit. Oh, yeah. Um, um, this isn't Shadowrun, but on the, on the topic of pre-generated characters, a couple years ago at a convention, I played um, a pre-gen game of uh, Feng Shui. Have you heard of Feng Shui before? I have not. Feng Shui is a really fun system that aims to emulate 80s kung fu action movies. Okay. Um, and look, all of those movies, hard problematic. I I know. But have you ever seen, like, Big Trouble in Little China? Um, I don't think I've seen that one, but I have seen several of the genre you're talking about. Okay, yeah. So, like, the thing about feng shui is while you do have like certain weapon types you're better in you also can everyone is good at improvising fighting right uh so like if the scene you are in is like an open air market and you say i want to run over to the like it doesn't have to be that hard that that um intensely described right open air market food and vendors you as the person play you as the character can say i want to go over to the ramen stand grab a bowl of ramen and shove it in someone's face yes and because that thing makes sense to be there it is there right like it's just like it it it, you can't say that there's just like an arms dealer in a mall right unless you set that up already but like i clobbered some guys with an arcade machine last night nice very good uh so anyway the reason i bring up uh pregen is there's something fun about pregen mm-hmm to me, and like I love making my own character, I totally do. But when I'm given a pre-gen, it's kind of like getting a prompt for a writing a writing task. Yeah, it's uh, very interesting because when I played that pre-gen game of Feng Shui, I was a cyborg, and I decided to be uh, <laughs> get ready for my be- the best name I've ever given a character, oh, Smotherboard. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 I was just this like manic cyborg. Um, who I think at the end sacrificed 
themselves for the greater good. Oh, isn't that but always like, how it goes? Yeah, it was. It was. It's. It's a fun game. Mm-hmm. I and I was just wanted to say it because I think pre-gen characters can be a lot of fun, and there is. Sometimes it's just fun to make a character sheet and then see what that gives you. Um. So as for, as for my week. Yes, tell me about what you've been up to. I mean, honestly, not much. It's been a really chill week. Um, my, you know, my job is still really new and I'm still learning stuff, but I feel better about it. The one thing that definitely was giving me a lot of like energy this week was a post that was going around. Um, I just saw the screen cap of the title, which is my 25 male <laughs> subs. 23 female, 26 female, 23 male, 28 male, 28 male, have unionized. <laughs> I'm reading this cold, so, man, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dictate the parentheses. My, parentheses, 25 male, subs, parentheses, 23 female, 26 female, 22 male, 28 male, and 28 male, have unionized. I have been in a committed, polyamorous, dominant, submissive relationship for the past three months. Hard stop right there. Three months? Three months. And you it, have five subs. It is wild. Keep okay. going. This gets better. I'm the Dom, and I have five subs. Three men and two women. It's been going great. It's all consensual, and everyone, if having a good time. Bad spelling, I'm reading it, but I'm reading it as point. it's. I'm reading it as it's written. We do not live together, but we hang out at my apartment almost every day. It is not a purely sexual relationship either. We all share an emotional connection, and it's like any other relationship but poly and BDSM. Of course, as the dom, there are some rules. They need to call me master. No kissing anyone except for me. If I tell someone to do something, they do it, within bounds of course. The punishments depend on the person. Some of my subs get whipped, some publicly humiliated. It all depends on what I agree on with each sub. We have safe words, too, and we stop the roleplay whenever anyone says one. I mean, I just... This, like, so far, this is a little bit of... This is a non-traditional relationship, but, you know, healthy. Yeah, this is... this. He sounds like he's doing his due diligence, right? Like, so far, not a skeevy, terrible, weird person. I don't know what's going to happen. So, it seems weird to Vanilla's. But this is what we enjoy, and we like to be open about it. Everything has been great. At least I thought everything was going great. Dun, dun, dun. I woke up a couple days ago and told one of my subs to get me a cup of coffee. He didn't do it. I told him that I was going to punish him, public humiliation, which can be easily resisted. And he said that he wouldn't do it. Now, if one of my subs act like this, I break it off with them, so I threatened him, and I would kick him out of the relationship. Bad. This is already a bad answer. I, I mean, this is not the not the best way to go about it. Like, yeah, th- that's a little a little rough. At least, all right. Um, not not total skis bag, but that is not ideal. The other subs chimed in and said that if I kick him out, they all leave. That's there right. it is. <laughs> oh, that's right. My submissives have unionized. I. Mm, Wait, read the next sentence. They handed me a sheet of paper with a list of demands. 
the demands included, I'm not sharing all of them for their privacy, allow kissing between subs, and demands are to only be followed after 8 p.m. I tried to negotiate, but they were firm in their demands. I couldn't punish them. My hands are tied, and I have no power anymore. I love this, this. Is this the Dom getting subbed? This is the subs seizing the means of, like... <laughs> Say it, seizing the means of reproduction. Yes. Um, let's Quite see. forcefully. Oh. I told them that I would think about it for a couple days. They haven't left me yet. They still stay overnight, but this list of demands is lingering over our relationship and our sex life. They want to keep a dominant, and no one has stepped up to replace me. They thought about finding a new dom online. Ah, yes, at dom.com. But only if I don't give in to their demands. I want to negotiate because I don't want to give up too much power. I offered kissing subs only after 6 p.m. (laughs) I want that as a sign. Uh, And follow demands after 1 p.m. I also offered following each demand separately, but not both together. I really do have feelings for them. And they have feelings for me, but the power balance was shifted when they unionized, (laughs) and I don't know what to do. The relationship isn't as satisfying anymore, and I don't know if it ever will be. What should I do? Do I let them get a new dom and leave them, or do I give into their demands and relinquish some of my power? I mean, dude, um, are you treating your subs as humans? This is wild. I I just want to say, it's like, I'm I'm not really into... uh, uh, power dynamics or BDSM, but I am. <laughs> but, but as a uh, as a poly person who's also an anarchist, this speaks to me. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing: it sounds like there's some problems that were not being addressed. Um, and it, it does seem like also, <laughs> it's not. I just, I'm really a fan of the term unionizing for this because it's not. They handed him a sheet of paper. They're entering negotiations. I know, but this is also just how relationships work. And I don't want to think of every relationship as like a labor union. Um, (laughs) But like, I I mean, maybe they want to. If you're in a poly relationship and you keep saying that people other than. Like, the kissing thing is weird to me. I understand it's an intimate act for people, but if you're in a poly relationship that supposedly has some equality to that part of it... Yeah. I mean, what? What? <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, none of the none of the things are really, like, standout-ish as, like, problematic until he's like, if they resist both the command and the punishment, then I just break up with them. I'm like, whoa... You're you're implying off the top that this is like, well, also a he's serious impl- emotional relationship. Then if if they're resisting both of those, then maybe you need to go back to like discussing the terms and like yeah. seeing what's up. Like that's the thing about this that I that that baffles me the most is someone who does engage in this kind of stuff. Things get renegotiated. Like you might have like at one point been like, ah, oh, that's hot, or yeah, we can do that. But then it's like, oh. This is intruding on, like, things I want to do or things that make me happy. So we need to renegotiate what this means. Um, And that's part of that relationship. Like, it it, it is not set one static idea and go for it for the rest of your life. Right. Not even for the rest of the month. (laughs) 
Yeah, for the rest of the three months. You're yeah, also still three clearly months... in the early stages of this. A that is a six-person polycule. That is like woo. That is a new person every two weeks. That's a lot. That that is just a lot, and like maybe that was problem one. <laughs> I can't find five friends in three months. How the fuck? <laughs> like, and that's the thing too. I'm not saying that like six person polycules are bad. I'm saying that that much that fast. I'm I'm not sure if that's the best way to go about it. Like, as someone who was also poly, like I have, I it took me multiple years to find a second boyfriend and like mm. that's not saying that that's like the norm if i had found one in six months also fine but like i it was it was like oh who else do i click with and also who gives me things that maybe my other partner isn't able to and which is okay <laughs> like not everyone can, you can't be all things to all people yeah <laughs> um so anyway so let your subs unionize. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we're done. Oh, yeah. Um, well, on the topics of games and unionization, let's talk about Van Helsing. That has nothing to do with either of those things. And you okay, know it. I, you know what? I am, I'm going to say that Van Helsing is a video game movie or or maybe just like a tabletop game that has gone off the rails oh that absolutely van helsing is has the energy of like either a tabletop game or like a late 20 late 2000s video game and also um for the other point i will say this movie would have been very different if dracula subs had unionized (laughs) very true Though I think maybe it could have helped. Uh, all right, so quick synopsis about Van Helsing. Yeah, let's. I'm going to like do this. As, I'm not going to give you all the beats. We're going to talk about a lot well, of the let's, scenes. Let's I'm go, sure. I'm going to give let's you. Let's go the... until we get to a beat that we want to talk about, and then. That sounds good. All right, so Van Helsing is very broadly the story of Van Helsing, the man who slays Dracula, except like. It's not really steampunk. It's like if mad scientists had a punk. I mean, it's very much the vibe that you get in these old monster movies. And specifically, interestingly, like the old Frankenstein movies with all of the electrodes. I think I jokingly call it cathode punk, but it's kind of that. It's like... Oh, yeah. It, it, even Even the weapons that, like van helsing uses even though some of them maybe are like a bit more in the clock punk territory have a very sort of jules vernian meets bram like bram stoker meets mary shelley vibe yeah <laughs> uh so okay so it's van helsing hunting down dracula i really like this opening segment because it opens in black and white and for a few minutes i'm like this movie came out in like 2004 yes is this is this is an interesting choice, um, but after like legitimately five minutes into it, I was ready for the whole movie to be in black and white. Oh, I could have watched the entire movie in black and white too. That I think opening... they did some interesting stuff with colors later on, but that opening segment really sets a tone. So, two thousand four, 
Van Helsing is a movie that was distributed by Universal Pictures, and this is basically a Universal monster movie mashup. Yes. Uh, which, quite honestly, compared to some of the stuff they've been trying to do, they should have gone with this. It is schlocky. It is a B movie. It is a B movie in the best way possible. Like, uh, nothing about this film is trying to be anything other than a rollicking horror adventure film. And it got some really negative reviews when it came out. But, like, it has it has aged kind of well. <laughs> like, we're watching it now, what, like, 15 years later, and absolutely fun start to finish. Yeah, it's... It's not a movie that is... Like, I, I went through and I did read some of the reviews and there's like, oh, there's an over-reliance on CGI and the characters don't get much development. I'm like, you know what? Fair points. But did you have fun? Because I had fun. Right. <laughs> I sometimes talk about how... It's not trying to be a, a grand art piece. It wasn't, it wasn't making an attempt at the Oscars, though we can talk about how the Oscars aren't... <laughs> right. And, like, I think there is... I think there is media that is good with a capital G, right? It's thoughtful. It's, in, it's important. Uh, and then there is media that is fun and some things can be both, but some things are just one of those. And Van Helsing is fun, like cackling fun. So we have this opening scene, black and white. It is recreating the like 1940s Frankenstein film, right? It is like, I, with with the movie's own plot, but it is doing it. Like there is a there is a windmill that gets set on fire, and stuff. But also, it is the first place we meet. Quite honestly, the breakout star of this film, Dracula. He's so good. Dracula is... in Van Helsing is the fayest, most over the top, most mincing, and beautiful Dracula I've ever seen. He, this is Richard has, Roxburgh in the role, and I don't know anything else he's in, and it makes me sad. Like, he was just... He's just so much fun to watch in this in this film. They, they give establish him, his character right off the top. Oh, yeah. So, like, Dracula in a lot of films is usually either very pompous or, like, way too gothy. Like, like edgelordy, right? Right. This is Las Vegas... Dracula. <laughs> this is Dracula with a cocksure swagger and a volume problem that would make Brian Blessed blush. One of the things they do is they just have him walk on the wall for no reason. I like he's just this. flexing by like walking on a wall and staring down at someone. He will just like appear behind people. He just does like the the quick the quick movement thing, but they use it for good humor and good setup in a way that's not just ooh spooky. It's like he's so fu- just he he has two really good lines in this scene. Um, both are in response to Victor uh, creating his his Frankenstein monster, and uh, we see dracula like whisper his plans to victor and victor's like oh no i could never let my creation be used for evil like that and dracula's like hmm i could right like and it's it's his first line and you know who this character is like he is 
the best Dracula I've seen on screen. Like he just when you are alive for as long as he is, and he's they establish he's been around since he was Vlad Tepes in like the 1400s, and this is the 1800s now. Like he has gone in the like slightly mad eccentric route. He's not like crazy in a sort of like comical way. He's just touched. Well, after that much time, you either get really bored or you start to make your own fun. <laughs> exactly. And I love that they went with that Dracula because, oh, my God, let's be honest. Even in 2004, movie Draculas were very, very, very dour. And here we have basically a role that, like, oh, man, it reminded me of, like, Raul Julia in Street Fighter. Um which I don't know if you've seen that film. It's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> but Raul Julia plays M. Bison. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he's talking to Chun Li and he goes, For you, it was the most important day of your entire life. And for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> that, is, that is the most famous line that I hear constantly quoted from that. Yes, and this has... This Dracula has that same energy, but put to like a really like put to use in a movie where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So after this opening scene where we establish Frankenstein and Dracula and also Igor, who is like a a secondary character, uh, we cut to Paris. Oh, I'm sorry. One other thing happens in this scene. We do meet the wives. Oh, yes. So at the very end of this opening scene. Dracula is watching and they all think that like um, that Frankenstein is dead. And we don't really know why they worry so much about Frankenstein until later. Hint, mm. he's a MacGuffin. Um, <laughs> but Dracula has three wives. And I want to really talk about these wives as we go through this because honestly, some of the best antagonists in a film. Super fun. Absolutely super fun. I three- love them. I think there's a, a better place to get into them. Oh, absolutely. I'm just going to mention the fact that the first thing we see them doing is they are just wailing with Morn. <laughs> and it's so good. They are these three women playing them are are getting their entire life. So anyway, we cut to Paris. And this is where we meet Hugh Jackman. Sexy 2000s Hugh Jackman, as if he's not sexy all the time, but long hair Hugh Jackman. First Wolverine Hugh Jackman <laughs> as Van Helsing. He's chasing someone. We're not sure who, but he chases them into Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I think we both, and I had seen this movie before, but I think we both thought it was going to be the Hunchback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, what we have is our first full CG. And hi, Andy Circus. It's, it's, it's Mr. Hyde. Yes. A large, beefy... Of the gr- famous singing duo, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Absolutely. Um, and they have made... So I think... Man, I forgot how horny he was. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. He just, like... He's smoking a cigar the whole time he's talking. And then right before the fight start, he just, like, turns it around and puts the lit end in his mouth and just chews. Yeah, it's... um. So they make Mr. Hyde, like... He he looks human but large, but moves like an ape. 
So yeah. he like swings around the rafters and he's like hanging from things. And I think first off, it's really fun to watch someone that big be that agile in a movie, especially an action movie, because big usually means the big slow fight. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool, cool mix up of things. It's it's wonderful. Um, but he's also mostly naked and he's V buff. Oh, yeah. They keep showing his ass just like yeah. the top of his ass. And like it is definitely mid 2000 CG. So like you can kind of see the sheen on it. But like uh, he's kind of hot. Like He's kind of <laughs> hot. Um, so they fight and they fight they ki- and they fight and they kill him. Uh, yeah. Van Helsing kills him with an underutilized idea, which is a weaponized, uh, yeah, a weaponized grappling hook, because he like shoots a grappling hook through Hyde and then uses that to kill him, which is rad. Uh, so, oh, also don't forget, I don't think they come up very often throughout the movie, but he also has like these arm buzz saws. Oh yeah, he has fucking arm buzz saws. Some- Great 1800s tech. It is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So from here we go on to Rome, specifically Vatican City. Specifically uh, the the shopkeeper. Yes. So uh, there's a great scene with Van Helsing and like a bishop or a a cardinal in a confession booth, which like, mwah. but that is the secret entrance into the Vatican's fucking like James Bond laboratory. Mm-hmm. This movie and this goes is places. where we meet Carl. This yeah. movie makes it very difficult for me to choose a favorite character. This everyone has a lot of fun in their roles, and they're all just so specific. So we get first off, they have a full Q sequence in this film. Like James Bond, I mentioned, like they walk around this this laboratory. Which has, like, people from every other religion. But, like, they we meet Carl, who's a mo- who's a friar. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's, he's not a monk yet. That is a joke that they keep coming back to. Yes. And... Because he hasn't taken all those vows just yet. Ag- exactly. So, we meet Carl, who becomes Van Helsing's, like, comic relief and, and like, right-hand man. Uh, he's your techie. He's going to make some shit. Uh, he's going to be the person that quips a little bit. He's the Ron to he's, Van Helsing's Harry. He's also just just periodically, not very often, but every now and then, the damsel in distress. He is. That is the thing that is fun. Um, there is a woman in this movie, I swear. <laughs> and while, spoiler alert, she dies, and I have some issues this, about that. This movie is not without its problematic elements, but... But here's the thing. Kate Beckinsale's character has agency. Oh, yes. Has more agency than a lot of women did that time uh, in movies. Mm. So, anyway, after the Vatican where they pick up some weapons and shit, uh, which includes one of my favorite things, the repeater crossbow. Oh. The minigun I... crossbow. Let's, talk, let's, let's be real. The minigun crossbow. I love the minigun crossbow. I am a little disappointed. There's this scene in the, the Q sequence where he puts this a drop of this explosive liquid on his finger and just like flicks it and everyone turns around they're like what the fuck dude <laughs> and that ne- i mean it was just a good joke <laughs> it never comes up again but that's <laughs> it really never does but i love it though uh, it kind of does i think that's what his light bomb is made out of no that's i 
that seems to be something totally different. But... All right. Well, either way. So after this, we have a nice travel sequence to get to Transylvania, mm-hmm. where we meet Kate Beckinsale, the angry mob, <laughs> and the wives. <laughs> oh, um, I, we do establish Kate Beckinsale and her brother oh, earlier. Oh, we and do. This I'm is sorry. Important. Because Kate Beckinsale and her brother are are doing this badass team up against a werewolf. Um, Which ooh, side there's... We gonna talk about those werewolves? We we're gonna talk about them. But the the only really important thing from this scene is that there's lots of backflips, and at one point, as as her brother kills the werewolf, um, it like collides into him and knocks him off screen into a river. Which is not, spoiler, not the last time this will happen to her brother. Yeah. And not the last time it will not kill him. This movie has a big distrust of rivers. <laughs> this movie hates rivers. Someone got fucked up by a river. Like, not like someone drowned. Someone just got fucked up by a river and is real mad. So, yes. We have Kate Beckinsale and her brother, who doesn't matter. Uh, does matter, but, like... Not that much. Uh, so, yes, they are, like, part of a family that's meant to kill Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we establish that. So, yes, we have that. And then we get to Transylvania, where Van Helsing and Kate Beckinsale, uh, Anna. Her name is Anna? Yeah. Uh, where... her, her name is uh, Anna Valerius. Yes. So where he and Anna first meet. And, of course, they're going to be the romantic couple of the movie. Sorry. <laughs> it's the 2000s. I mean... Yes. But so, here, though, is where we get our first really big fight. Like, really big fight. I think this scene lasts for a good 20 minutes. This scene goes on. I kept expecting it to, like, end, and then things would happen again. Like... The, this is where the the wives of Dracula, his harem, first shows up. And there's the... the or they, they show up in the earlier scene, but this is where they first get a real good set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they all show up in their, like, harpy forms, and which is, like, this pale white with the leathery wings. They're, they're bat forms, basically. Mm-hmm. The, like huge drawn out jaws and like sharp teeth and, and it's really cool monster design and i actually want to I... say it's it is really cool monster design and they gave this really cool monster design to women and like allowed these monsters to be kind of ugly yeah like i, I mean... mean they're still kind of hot but like <laughs> they they're they're not conventional they're not like ooh, pretty vampire lady but they they do so much cool stuff, like especially with the wings, and they do this later with Dracula too, where when he transforms, 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 when, when he, he transforms. Trans- <laughs> well, great. Now we have to leave it in. Uh, when he transforms, transforms. from. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. His, I'll stop. His bat form to his human form. Uh, his wings fold up, <sighs> and they like come together into like his vest and they do sort of the the reverse thing with these women where like they will transform from their bat forms into human forms and they will they're constantly spinning and like as one of them like 
spins into human, you see like her faces go, her face go to like uh, a more human complexion. Um, still, still pale, frankly, mm-hmm. but um, and her wings turn into like this flowy robe garb. It's I... really really cool actually the people that were doing character design for this like shout out for some of the most fun character design i've seen in a film like this in a long time like really loving giving these characters this ability and finding ways to show off just how cool that would be it does also make me wonder does that mean they're all naked all the time yes that they're not wearing clothes they're just like wearing themselves yes weird is it no (laughs) so anyway there is a long fight in this village um and at the end of it one of the wives is killed and a bunch of villagers but we don't care about them yeah um but the reason this is important is that if this is a video game the wives are the mini bosses and what i mean is that not mini boss they're like in like in an rpg where you have a boss that keeps showing up over the course of the game and they just get stronger each time yes they're that and it's interesting because they're that but as their numbers go down their power increases oh yeah they just get which is still a very video game thing to do um it is and so you know we have this and we have this long scene and we establish some things about vampires uh like what rules they're following we establish that yes daylight hurts them we also establish that the townsfolk don't entirely hate them. They don't love them, but they've they've grown accustomed to their reality living under these things. Yes. Uh, and also we establish that the only thing the vampires really want at this point is to kill Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> yeah. They are Or convert her. her. It's one or the other. They're coming after her super hard for one reason or another. Yes. So, so I think from here we we actually switch back to uh, Dracula's lair. Yes. Uh, this isn't a super long scene, but I do want to touch on it for an important character note of Dracula's that I don't think gets a lot of attention, but I do think is important. Yes. I don't think Dracula needs to sleep. But I think he chooses to sleep so he can wake up dramatically. Oh, yeah. So, okay. This wake-up scene is one of the best. His coffin is, like, just ice. Ice is very much Dracula's thing. Uh, And so when he wakes up, it just melts and he just rises out of it yelling. (laughs) Yes. And I think he does this every morning. And I think he only goes to sleep when he knows there's going to be something dramatic happening soon. I think so, too. Um. I'm going to condense the next bit of the movie because there's just a lot of, like, setup shit happening and a lot of really fun scenes. One thing I want to say about this film in general, it is about two hours and ten minutes long. I think it could lose 30 minutes. I just don't know which 30 minutes because <laughs> I love all of it. <laughs> so anyway, in the next little bit, we set up a couple things. We set up the fact that Dracula is trying to birth his babies, which are, like, in these egg sacks. Uh, and he's trying to replicate what Victor Frankenstein was doing to birth them. And it doesn't work when we watch it because all of the the little vamp vamplings uh, are alive about five minutes and explode. Um, mm-hmm. 
we also set up that Anna's brother is a werewolf. And also that Anna has a fucking stockpile of weapons. Oh my god. There is a scene in this- She in, puts the Vatican to shame. I know. There is a- First off, she has- She has a morning star that is just a fist holding a stake. <laughs> in case you were not aware of what she was all fucking about. Secondly, there is a scene in this period uh, which tries to do, like, woman home alone, except it's it's Anna, and she has an entire armory. So she walks into the armory where, armory where a weird sound happened and just reaches over and picks up a mace. <laughs> I'm not convinced that was her armory. I'm convinced she just has those lying around the house. That's just her closet. Right. Yeah. Um. But I love it because it's like it's playing on that like woman home alone picks up a kitchen knife or something, but it's a mace. It's a mace, and <laughs> it has been established that she knows how to fight. That's the thing I want to make sure that we talk about. Anna is a competent hero, right? Anna does get like captured by the harpies once or twice, but not because she's incompetent. It's because they're flying. <laughs> yeah, so they can it's... dive bomb, and like also Van Helsing's a terrible shot. Oh my god. Except when the plot demands it, but we, right. we don't we can get into that. So all this stuff happens, we're really setting up the fact that we're going to go and try to storm Dracula's castle. Well, not Dracula's right. castle. We're going to try to storm um the castle where near this this village. It's not Dracula's castle. He has three castles. Okay. This this is important. Um Dracula has probably way more than three castles dracula has like a summer home and a winter home and a weekend vacation home yeah dracula is the one percent yeah but and we're not at his actual (laughs) castle yet because that's a whole like secret door situation i didn't understand that and so earlier (laughs) on they were talking about not being able to find his lair and they're talking about it right outside his castle in transylvania yeah and i i just loved the idea that these people had lived under the terror of Dracula for generations and no one had thought to just like go up the hill and check that abandoned castle. No one ever thinks it's the abandoned castle. So anyway, after this, what happens after all these bits? We've had... um, we do get a, a, we can speed through this, but we do get a brief Dracula confrontation with Van Helsing. Um, I think while Anna is off fighting oh. the uh, this, the wives, um, where we establish a few important things. Uh, I uh, would debate whether this is important or not. I think this is the weakest storyline in the entire movie. Uh, no, I mean, like, the, the most important things being that, uh, like, normal things like holy water and stakes and crosses oh, and kill tracks. Oh, God. Okay. And yes. it's great because every time Van Helsing, like... He stakes Dracula, and Dracula like, stumbles back dramatically, and then he just like pulls out the stake and just like tosses it over his shoulder. Okay, but then Dr- Van Helsing tries to get him with a cross, which oh, Dracula God. grabs and has a full like melting, burning face death sequence, and then just like as soon as the cross is melted, reforms. <laughs> <laughs> he is the most like what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? Kind of Dracula, and I love it. And then we also, we do establish the extremely weak storyline that Dracula 
does know uh, Van Helsing. He calls him Gabriel. Like, spoiler alert, they try to say that, like, Van Helsing's a fucking, like, avenging angel or something. Yeah. Because Dracula made a deal with the devil to be un to be undead. But, like, it's such an unnecessary plot that I don't want to talk about it. That's fair. Like, it's, can... it, it is a hyper unnecessary plot. They... And every, everything that builds on it sort of, like, comes out of nowhere. It's like, true. And if it wasn't Van there... Van Helsing they... has Dracula's ring, but we don't see Dracula's missing a finger until it's revealed that it's Dracula's ring. Yeah, it's like, if none of this, if none of this was there, the movie would still be fine. Yeah, the movie would hardly change. This hardly. is... This is like five of the 30 minutes because it doesn't even take up that much screen time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they have to... Ass- is this the point where they find... Right, because the brother's there. So they go to this castle. It's where the brother is. Um, it's where they have a confrontation with... Where, where Van Helsing and Dracula have this like conversation and we see how sassy Dracula is again. God bless. We also find the brother being like Frankensteined in the sense of like he's in he's strapped into a chair being shocked by like lightning and shit. Yeah. Um, and this is how they're trying to wake up the aforementioned Dracula children, just these little imps. Yes. Um, and they fly out and terrorize the town. And Carl gets a a few fun things to do here. I mean, Carl um, gets to bang. Oh yeah, because he's, he's he's just a friar. He's not a monk yet. Friars can fuck. <laughs> yep, that's why it's F. Um, so, to escape this, Van Helsing and Anna fucking zipline their way across a chasm, uh, followed by Anna's brother as a werewolf. Who, again, at the end of the scene, gets thrown in a river. And is... Like we think it's going to kill him. Never will. Never will. And at the same time, we have... Van Helsing and Anna wandering through the woods trying to get back to town, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and they fall into a pit and meet Frankenstein. Oh, that's right. This they is meet, we meet uh, Frank. Yeah, we meet Frankenstein, who is now the intelligent second half of the book Frankenstein. Um, and very much the embittered against humanity, but also... And, and this Frankenstein is a little bit different, Um Notably because his relationship with Victor was not tainted. Yes, but that's because he died immediately. <laughs> well, yeah, but even even from the outset, you can see, like, Victor's like, oh, my creation is beautiful, which is very different from the the book Victor. Yeah, but um, it's a little closer to how Frankenstein and Victor acted in the Hollywood movies. Mm. So that's okay uh, to yeah. me. So anyway... This is where we meet Frankenstein, and we find out that Frankenstein is the MacGuffin. He is the thing that needs to be in that electric seat to wake all of the children up so they don't die. Right. So, we have a human person who is a key, uh, who is also just a series of existential crises. Mm, and mood. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be? Uh, and then, I am. <laughs> right, exactly. So, we then have a scene where they are going to try to get Frank back to Italy. Um, this is a, this is another pretty quick scene. This is a, another scene with the the Dracula wives. We, uh, yeah, we kill a wife by the end of this. Also, it is, a, it is just a car chase scene, but like with carriages. Yeah, one of them catches on fire. Um, they use a, they also, use a decoy. 
we also kill Anna's brother in this scene finally. Um she gets she gets pissy at Van Helsing for this, but I mean it is her brother, like That's fair, and we also have the most important thing. Van Helsing gets bitten by her brother. Oh, that's right. So Um Yeah. At the same time, uh Carl is finding out that the only way to kill Dracula is a werewolf. Yes. Carl's been going on like this this fetch quest adventure and like stumbling into uh hidden rooms and shit mm-hmm. and like discovering all of these secrets. We also have this uh subplot where Frank, if he was brought back to the Vatican, would be killed because he is not human. Uh and yeah. so we get into some philosophy. Uh, which is fun. They don't touch on it too much. I think it would have actually bogged the movie down if they tried to get really serious about it. But like, oh, def- it would have changed the spirit of the movie. But like, they still get the fact that like Frank is a member of the team and people care about him. Yeah, Van Helsing has a few really interesting lines along this uh, this thing where um, he mentions that he can like sense evil, and he doesn't sense evil in Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Which okay, sure, weird, weird power, maybe, maybe contested by the plot. I mean, yeah, uh, like, but, but whatever. Uh, th- not important. But it, there's also another line that comes up earlier, um, and and is shown throughout the movie that he says when he's at the Vatican, which is, "You don't have to see these monsters die. When they die, I get to see how human they really are at the end." Yeah, which that's is... actually a really important thing. I'm sorry I skipped over that. Like Van Helsing has trauma and they like get into that Mm -hmm. even just by making sure that you the audience also see that when these monsters die it's not fucking pretty yeah this is a really good movie for the show because the monsters are the monsters are very monstrous but they are very humanized at the end and like also all of the monsters motivations for the most part make sense i mean like yeah Sure, and they're all hot. Sure, yeah, they are. Uh, sure, Dracula, like, wants to just, like, control everything, but he also, like, is trying to protect his family, uh, which I'm not saying is a good thing for him to do evil, but, like, it's a motivation. Same well, with the wives want their children to survive. It's motivation. Mm-hmm. I appreciate, I just appreciate that, that the monsters have motivation in the movie. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um... <clears throat> so, with all of this stuff, we've set out, we've set up the final act. Uh, we have a werewolf in that we're going to have Hugh Jackman become a werewolf. And oh boy, <laughs> does he become a werewolf. And oh boy, does he turn into a werewolf. Um, but we have a werewolf and we have... Dracula. Uh, oh, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. We skipped over an entire scene. Holy shit. I'm so sorry you're going to have to edit it like this. There is the masquerade scene. The masquerade scene is very wild. Because I... basically Anna gets kidnapped at the end of something. Mm. Does she get kidnapped? Is that what it is? She does get kidnapped. They're going there as a ransom. Yes. So they get kidnapped and the ran. Uh, God, some of this movie, honestly, like it's there's a lot of so, there's a lot of shit happening in this film. I I do really like this scene. This this is a scene that could have been almost one hundred percent cut. Yes, the masquerade scene, beautiful. The whole thing with her getting uh, kidnapped and, and they had to ransom frank against her like not it it doesn't need to be there but like whatever they needed a way for frank to get in the hands of dracula they could have just 
kidnapped Frank straight away instead of making this weird right. trade thing. But basically, but... one wife is killed. Anna gets kidnapped uh, between the resolution of the scene by the other wife, right? Uh, well, they get Anna back. No, they no, no, get no, no, Anna no, no. back, sorry, but sorry, they I'm lose sorry. Frank in the process. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting. I'm trying to establish it from the the cart scene. Oh, from the cart scene. <laughs> so from the from the uh, the from the carriage scene, I think Anna gets mad at her brother dying. Uh, Van Helsing is now a werewolf, and then Anna gets kidnapped by the other wife. I think. I think so. It's I something, think it's something like that. along those lines. But anyway, so they take Frank to Budapest because mm-hmm. that's the closest place <laughs> uh, where Dracula has a fucking summer home because, of course, he does. Of course he does. And they hide Frank in a graveyard thinking that nothing bad will happen there in a horror movie. And it turns out that uh, that Dracula has like 600 vampires living in Budapest. Yes. Um, and what's more, he also we also established that he has some control over the dead. Yeah, it's, it's sort of established. I mean, I, I don't know if they're zombies or if they're other vampires. That's the problem. I think they're other vampires. I think they have to be because it's never comes up again otherwise. That's true. So this, this whole scene, this whole scene is fun. It's beautiful. It's, unnecessary. it's a great set piece. Could be cut. Nothing would change. Yes. So in this scene, we have the high-flying uh, Van Helsing trying to save Anna, who is like mm-hmm. you know who's like under Dracula's thrall, um, right? But doesn't we do establish she has a thrall? Yes, but doesn't stay there for too long. Like once Van Helsing gets her away from him and just like says, "Wake up, she's fine." <laughs> um, which whatever. So the only important thing is that they do get they do get Frank, who was. Uh, like put in a graveyard for safekeeping. Yes. And and I'm sorry, and, I love the fact that they tried to prop the door closed with a tombstone. Yeah, that's real cute. Um so after we get Anna back and we've lost Frank, now is Now we move on to the final act. Yes. Now we move on to storming the castle. So they realize that the door to Dracula's castle has always been in Anna's war room. And you just yeah, have to say Carl a pa- has figured out that this mirror is the the portal. Yep, and you have to say a Van passphrase. Helsing. There's a piece of a document that the Vatican gave Van Helsing that matters, but like it's it's a fucking key. It's a MacGuffin, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter that much. And also the the I love that the phrase is "By God, open this door." <laughs> and I'm like, like that no one said that in frustration at any point. <laughs> Yeah, it really seems like someone should have opened this door just accidentally by now. But so they get a nice little ice door over to Dracula's castle. Don't establish how they can get back. Never establish how they can get back. Do get back. Um, So the plan is that Van Helsing is going to turn into a werewolf at the stroke of midnight. And as long as he gets uh, the antidote, which Dracula has, because Dracula is allergic to werewolves, but also can control them after the 12 strokes of midnight on their first full moon. If he gets the antidote, then he will then be human again and have killed Dracula. It's a very convoluted way to have most of your CG budget blown in the final fight. (laughs) 
Yes. So. The final fight that definitely lasts more than 12 clock strokes. More than 12 seconds? Absolutely. So there's a nice fight with the final, with the final wife between Anna and Frank and her. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a scene where Carl just has to run across a very long bridge. (laughs) 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 It's, it's, it's too long. It's, 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 it's bloodborne long. There's no, there's no supports. Yeah. It's just a long stone bridge, which definitely could not happen, but it's, you know, it's a weird, it's an engineer's nightmare. Yeah, it is. I love it. Um, we have a lot of, so let's, we have a lot of things happening, but let's get to the important part. Yes. The final fight between Van Helsing and Dracula as, so we've seen werewolves before. Uh huh. Van Helsing is our third werewolf. Uh huh. We don't really get to linger on any of their faces. We do and, with and Van we Helsing. Don't re- we don't really see Dracula um, in his vampire form much before this, but they both transform in this final sequence, and it must be noted, they both have perfect hair. They both have perfect hair. They Van both... Helsing has a lot more of it. Oh, yeah, because it's Hugh Jackman. Um, they both have perfect hair. Right, also because it's a werewolf. A werewolf. Um, they're both also extremely hot. Like, I know we've said this, yeah. but, like, they linger on the fact that they gave Van Helsing werewolf very large pecs. Very large pecs, they... a very good mane of hair. Like, he is he is a handsome werewolf. And I think they, like, put a little effort in, like, he looks soft. He does. He looks very cuddly. Oh. I want to cuddle Van Helsing Werewolf, among many other things. Yes. This is definite. I think I was. I think by the time I saw this film, I was already a furry. But mm-hmm. this was definitely something that went like, I made the right decision. <laughs> yes, God. <laughs> because, ooh, like he. During this time, there were a lot of there were a lot of werewolves in film. And in fact, Kate Beckinsale couldn't wasn't wasn't good enough with just one werewolf film she was in because she was also in Underworld, whose werewolves look like potatoes. We can talk about Underworld. <laughs> it's less sexy, but we can talk about it. It's a bit too edgelordy for me, I think now. Mm. Uh, but you know, like he is lovingly rendered. He is rendered in a way that no other werewolf on screen has been. That has not been like anime, like animated, animated. Right. Also, the transformation sequences really nice. It's just like a lot of skin ripping, but not a lot of blood. So it's like fun without being too gory. Yeah, it's it's real rough and like a little nasty, but it doesn't it doesn't linger and it doesn't get too into the viscera. Yeah, it's unsettling, but it doesn't get in the way of the end result being its own cool thing. Yes. Um, and, of course, Hugh Jackman's werewolf is this, like, big, like, black-furred wolf. He's very, very handsome. If, mm-hmm. if, if Hugh Jackman, at some point, didn't have input on how sexy his werewolf form would be, I would be highly surprised. <laughs> uh, so they have a fight, and our werewolf, our werewolf boy wins. Always, always was gonna. Yep. And Anna has the antidote and she runs into the room and for literally no apparent reason, 
after Dracula's dead, Van Helsing just goes feral for a hot second and tackles tackles Anna into a couch. Yeah. She gets the antidote ampule stabbed into him, so he's fine. Mm-hmm. But in the process, he kills Anna. And they have this whole, like, scene where he's, like, holding her body and mournfully howling at the moon like someone else killed her. Right. It's like, like this. Come on, man. <laughs> it's it's bad. <laughs> it's not a great ending for her. There was no reason for her to die except for possibly my favorite scene, but not because it's the best scene. <laughs> it's it's arguably the worst scene, but so we'll... they mourn blah, blah, blah. We go off and we move to Anna's funeral. And Anna's funeral is like she's on a pyre and she's being burned. Mm-hmm. And as she's being burned, smoke comes up from it. And Van Helsing seems to like like really sink into like the smoke and the sm- everything coming out of this pyre. And turns around. And there is about a minute long scene where Anna... It's longer than a minute. It is a long scene where Anna and her brother and her whole family are just like sky ghosts in the clouds meeting <laughs> again. fucking Mufasa. Yeah, like Anna Mufasa's her fucking face into the clouds and like smiles at, at Van Helsing. And it's it's like they put the opacity filter on, on this at like 10%. You can barely see it against the clouds. It's... It's so bad. It, it's it, it has a touch by an angel feel to it. That's exactly what it feels like. Oh my god. Uh and and that's how the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. That happens. So Frank is just like rowing a boat across the Atlantic. Okay, buddy. Yeah, it's Yeah, uh Frank goes off by himself and we vaguely established the fact that they're gonna have a sequel, except there was never a sequel. There was an animated-only prequel. Great. That was uh, Van Helsing fighting Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Not as fun. And then there's a comic book that was a one-shot that was um, him versus Dr. Moreau. Oh, that actually would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, Like Dr. Moreau and all of his beastmen? Yeah, it apparently takes place in between in between defeating Hyde and reaching Rome. So, got to be a real quick adventure there, buddy, but okay. That's also like, wait. Dr. Moreau's island was like wasn't it like yeah. south of Africa or something? Well, it's in Paris is where it takes place. Oh, so it's like before Moreau has an island. <laughs> I guess it the the traffic the seem... traffic island of Doctor Moreau as you would. <laughs> it seems completely unnecessary for them to have like squeezed this into like the middle of the movie, but okay. Um, but yeah, that's the movie. That's that's Van Helsing. That's Van Helsing. Right. So. All right. So um... the thing about Van Helsing is, on the surface, perhaps you wouldn't call it the queerest film, but. I think it is worth noting that we queers often have to find what we like inside of essentially non-queer media. I mean, that's sort of the spirit of this whole show is is finding queerness where 
where there very deliberately isn't supposed to be any. <laughs> Fair. It's just, first off, the fact that really all of the monsters are in some way, shape, or form very hot. Both the men and the women. Like, when the when the wives are in their harpy form, not bad. The wives are pretty, pretty cool. The, the character or the creature design in this movie... Like, the, you can tell that maybe the writing didn't put the most care into this movie. The Whoever did the creature design did. Like, the writing's fine. The writing is not anything to write home about. Haha. But, like, uh-huh. it doesn't... It does what it sets out to do. And, yeah. and, like, everyone gets the obnoxious, quippy lines that I love. Everyone has something smart or sassy to say at all times. Including, like, especially Dracula. Yeah. Um... It's just, it's a fun, it is a fun movie that right. has just some, mm, some very hot, some very hot monsters. And so I think it's time to play our inaugural game of Monster Smash. Yes. So Monster Smash is our version of Fuck, Mary Kill, except we're not going to kill anybody. This is really just, who would you want to fuck? So I think we talk one at a time. So first off, hey Hayden. Hey Lou. Would you monster smash Werewolf Van Helsing? Yes, yes I would. I, if you said no, I don't think I would know you very well. <laughs> <laughs> like, Monster Van Helsing is like Werewolf Van Helsing. I don't know if I can iterate it enough, other than saying you should go watch it. Is very attractive, and I've said I said this while we were talking about the movie, but holy shit. <laughs> Werewolf Van Helsing. I mean, like, I would also just fuck Van Helsing because he's just a hot man. I mean, Hugh Jackman is hot, notoriously very attractive. Yes. So, like, very good at <laughs> Hugh Jackman is. It's it's mean to say it because I had a lot of fun watching this, but he's better than the acting caliber of this film demands of him (laughs) he is and i'm not saying that this is his best performance no he is he is not acting everyone under the table as he well could if he wanted to (laughs) absolutely could it is this is a like i said this is a schlocky b movie but hey if he's not doing it he should seeming to have fun with it he he got a paycheck he swung by craft services Probably joked around with a lot of the other cast, made some made some good friends. Like, that's fine. You don't have to be putting in the hard work every time, buddy. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, all right. So, what about Dracula? See, this is tougher. Um, I think maybe once. <laughs> like, <laughs> one bang. Like, I can't, I can't keep coming back to this. He is too extra for me. He is, I mean, he's, he's evil, so that doesn't help, but I don't know. Sometimes that I'm helps. I was going to say, does that hurt? I, I know you. I don't think that entirely hurts his chances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the, the method in which he's evil is, doesn't make it so he gets none for me. We'll say that much. <laughs> It's not a tens across the board situation, but yeah, but that's fa- you know here's the thing. 
Yes, but probably more in his like full vampire form than his human form. Mm. Um, if only because you know what, what would making out while flying feel like? Isn't that the question we all want answered? Yes, I want to be in the analog mile high club. <laughs> So, what about Frankenstein? What are your thoughts on him? I want to cuddle him. Yeah, he doesn't turn me on so much, but, like... I want to like, have, like, a nice movie night with him. And, yes. And like, and, like, let him just, like, cuddle, and that'd be fine. I don't know if he's even at the point in his own, like... They they never move into like the Bride of Frankenstein thing in this film, which man, mm. the sequel probably would have had a Bride of Frankenstein, and I want to meet that. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I don't think he's at the point where he's even thinking about that right now. He's still on like existential questions, and I'm like, hey, let's just sit down, let's watch some movies, let's figure you out. Right. Um. Okay, and um, I think I know the answer to this one. Mr. Hyde? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd want him to be, like, a regular guest because he seems to be, you know, he's Mr. Hyde. He's very selfish. He's very mean. But, like, uh, I think I would have to meet him at his place exclusively. Yes. Uh, he's not breaking my shit. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, would I like to shove my face in Mr. Hyde's crotch? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, hey, look, since they're there and since they're monsters, what about the wives? You know what? I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to say the wives are the same on, uh, like, Count Dracula's level. Like, I could not... I could not take that level of energy in my life <laughs> consistently. That, <laughs> like, that's very that fair. Level of, that level of drama, I am... I try to be... Uh, a low-key person a lot of the time like that's just where my my personality balances out um but you know what they seem like a real fun romp they do like i could get down with that i you and me both like but like once or maybe like every so often right like Mm. oh dracula's having another orgy i guess i'll go Yes. But, like, you couldn't be, like, every Friday night. It's, like, every six months, maybe. Yeah, a, a couple times a year. Uh, <laughs> a couple times a year. Yeah. Okay, so so last thing. Didn't get a lot of screen time, but uh, sort of a monster. Monstrous. Igor is sort of the last one in this, this film. Nah, Igor's a fucking bootlicker, not the hot kind. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't get that either. I don't. He's um, not. He's not. No, he's he doesn't deserve me. Okay. Not a monster, but Anna Valerius. Yeah, I think she needs to blow up some fucking steam. <laughs> yes. I mean Like, mm. I, I will let her just so, I will let her just ride me. Like, it's fine. Um I'm not looking for her to like Like I will be the I will be the sub in that. It's fine. <laughs> I just my, I think she needs something. <laughs> and deserves I, it. I I've said this before to, to some people, but um like i'm i identify as queer i don't identify as gay or straight or or even bi it's it's this whole confusing thing but well they're also i think i'm more inclined towards men that's okay you're you're homo romantic 
my my type of woman is definitely the like uh women who are out of my league (laughs) and anna definitely falls in that category fair i mean kate beckinsale definitely falls in that category kate beckinsale is an attractive human being she is gorgeous she is gorgeous and is gorgeous in this film even with that wild russian accent she is doing um (laughs) oh boy it's a lot um man yeah they, this, they, this movie has real bad accents they, and we don't have time to get into we it we don't but. we we do not all right so we're we're running a little later than i expected but i still want to ask my sort of like question based on the uh the monster of the week mm-hmm. which in this case is 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 going to be dracula and dracula is um very sassy and gay so i wanted to ask you in that spirit uh what is like the most melodramatic gay move you can recall pulling oh i don't know i've been in theater there's so many um <laughs> the most melodramatic the gay thing i've ever done is oh jesus this is a good question yeah uh, it's it's trouble for me because i don't have a really good answer to this I have a top three, though. Okay, go ahead. Um, so, um, do you want to hear about, like, uh, a sort of coming out thing? Sure. Whatever or... you want to say. <laughs> well, no, you, I'm, I'm making you choose between the three. The, the most high school thing I've ever done or uh, the time I sort of uh, ruined a wedding. I mean, like, you said ruin a wedding, so yes. <laughs> okay, so this wasn't super... This wasn't a really very gay thing, but it's, like, maybe one of the more melodramatic things I've definitely ever done. Like, one of the m- bigger moves I've ever pulled. And and in true me fashion, it's still very understated, but I had a, a friend throughout much of undergrad, uh, a best friend for a while, and... She got engaged to this guy, mm-hmm. but in the past, like, couple years, um, she just became, like, a really toxic person. Yep. And and you, I'm sure you've had the kind of relationship where it happened very gradually over time, so I didn't really notice it, but I moved in with her, her fiancé for about a year, uh, and we were living together, and then she she subsequently moved herself in, and... We don't have to get into all of the things, but it made it, like, an intolerable situation, and I, I moved myself out early to get away from it. Mm-hmm. But I'd still promised to go to their wedding. Yes. And so I went to the wedding, and I went with our, like like I said, that close-knit group of six friends, uh, later four. This is that story. Great. And I, li- I like the, the husband. He was a great guy. I really enjoyed hanging out with him. But at one point, like, the first time we all, like, the other four of us got separated from uh, from those two. Mm-hmm. I We were in a car, and she had just, like, called us on the phone to yell at us for not being at every little event and it's like it was a destination wedding in new orleans and we didn't have to do anything until the like rehearsal dinner the next night yeah so we were gonna get out on the town and she 
wanted us to be at all of the events, even though we had no connection to anyone in our family. And I, I just looked at everyone else in the car and I was like, hey guys, just for the record, you can do what you want. After this, I'm not her friend anymore. <laughs> I made a promise to be here and I don't break my promises, but this is the last day I talk to her ever. <laughs> and the dam broke. Everyone else Everyone was the same. Everyone was fed up with her. Like, I thought it was just me because I had lived with with them for a little while, but no. She had been treating all of us like shit for, like, over a year. Oh. And so we all went to the wedding, and none of us smiled in any of the wedding photos, and none of us danced at the reception. And, like, we all went and gave the most, like, shoot-in effort ever, and she can't use most of those wedding photos because we were the wedding party. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a very queer thing to do, especially for like a straight wedding. Yeah. That was, that's the most melodramatic move I've ever pulled. So I've had many melodramatic things in my life, but I am going to tell the story of there was a like charity auction one year when I was in Cub Scouts. Mm -hmm. Um, Which we all like made cakes and auctioned them off. And like nothing went for more than $5. The cake that I made with my mom had like all of the Cub Scout symbols on it. It was very nice. Mm -hmm. And I desperately didn't want anyone else to have that cake. (laughs) So when it came time to start betting, not betting, but like auctioning that one off. I proceeded right. to, I can't believe I fucking did this. This was so mean. I'm so excited. I just like stood up and went 50 cents, $1, one fifty two, And I started like crawling on my knees across the floor. <laughs> what? Cause I wanted it real bad. Oh my God. It, I mean, it was just a fucking sheet cake that we had decorated. Uh, but I was so... I wanted it so badly. Oh, my God. And so I just made a fucking fool of myself in Cub Scouts. I, I don't know. My parents were probably mortified. <laughs> oh, my God. I can just... Oh, I can just see it now. Yep. Tiny me in the full Cub Scout outfit. Just like... F- like, full-on 1950s, m- like, forlorn movie starlet crawling across the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. Very... That's... Very Joan Crawford of me. Before I even knew who Joan Crawford of, uh, was. Dracula's Wives moves. Yes. Um... All right, so before we sign off, I have one quick game for you. Okay. I really want to play this with you because I played it with some friends recently, and it went out right. over really well. And I also think that maybe you might be good at it, or maybe you might be bad at it. And it's a very simple guessing game. Oh, no. It's only you have to just say one of two categories. I'm going to give you a name. Okay. And what you have to do is tell me if that person is a male country singer 
or a male porn star? Oh, wow. Are you ready? I don't think I'll ever be ready. Fantastic. Let's do this. Dude, love it. That is a country singer. You are correct. I'm going to I'm going to fill in the things you get right and wrong. <laughs> uh, oh, there's some point system. I mean like vaguely. Okay. Chuck Cannon. That's a porn star. Country singer. Damn it. <laughs> These only get weirder. Um, all right. Next. Zebedee Colt. Zebedee. Zebedee Colt. Ooh. Country singer. Porn star. Uh, it felt like a trap. Oh, trap. Jack Wrangler. There's no way that's a human man's name. That's a porn star. It is a porn star. But that being said, it also sounds like a country singer's name. It does. <laughs> Colton Ford. That's a porn star. Yes, it is. You said that with confidence. Have you seen this porn star? <gasps> I I don't think so, but I think I've seen his name. Okay. It just all... Anyway. Stony LaRue. That's a country singer. Yeah, it is. Holy shit. <laughs> now he gets good. W. Dire Wolf. Oh, my God. <laughs> um... <laughs> I've stumped you. This is... It's so obviously a porn star's name that it can't be a fucking porn star. What are you saying, then? Porn star. It's a country singer. Knew it. I knew it was Knew it was a trick. Tom Southern. That's a country singer. That's a porn star. Really? Yes. Brett Wolf. Doesn't he have a show on CNN? I, I don't think it's the same one. <laughs> Brett Wolf. Uh, porn star. Yes. Kinky Friedman. That's a country singer. Yes, it is. Nut Bell. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please be a country singer. He is a country singer. Also, his name okay. is spelled K-N-U-T. Knut. Knut Bell. <laughs> Richie Fine. That's a porn star. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh. Have you seen that one? No, but Fine is Fine is the kind of last name that doesn't appear in the wild. Mm. That's that's a lie. But I haven't found still. it. But. All right. John Magnum. Porn star. Yes. Mm. Jackie Cox. Country singer. Yes. All right, at the end honestly Hayden you got 
you got 10 out of 14. Dang. Which is not bad. That's... Um, I appreciate how much I entirely stumped you with W. Dire Wolf. It... Yeah, no. That one was... That was the real curveball. It was. Of, of the game. Um, so that's all. That's Country Singer or Porn Star. Perhaps we'll play again sometime. I like that game. That's a fun <laughs> game. <sighs> and with that, I think we will wrap it up here. Alright. So, hey... Hayden, what's next on the gay agenda? Well, next time on the gay agenda, I think we should look at uh, the Lion King, specifically uh, the the villain of that show, uh, Scar, oh, who is very gay. The gayest. Uh, I mean, like not um, the first gay villain. We'll get into Radigan at some point. Yeah, but I mean, this is our first. Uh, slight divergence from the monster theme, uh, but it's still like monsters, villain category. Monsters, villains, and non-humans. It's just that's not that's not a catchy title. I only date monsters, villains, and non-humans. <laughs> so, The Lion King and Scar. Ooh, Scar. Scar. Well, until next week. That's it. <laughs> we don't have a tagline. Yeah. Yet. Until next week. Bye. Um. Bye. <laughs> It's a very it's a very weird kind of positive take on the vatican but like it's campy so i'll allow it <laughs>